This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Project UFO, Season 2, Episodes 6 and 11. Where did the second sighting occur? Same place as the first. Did you know they were coming back? Oh, sure. They gave me the exact time and date. I don't think I understand this, right? You you knew exactly when they were coming back, and you didn't make any attempt to take along a witness? You didn't even bring a camera? Captain, they wanted me to come alone. Frankly, I didn't even think about bringing a camera. Why did they come back the second time? They wanted to see if I'd follow their instructions. They weren't too pleased. Welcome to Continuing Greg, the podcast that don't want to be rude, but it do have some fishing to do. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? What happened to Jake? Jake Gatlin's gone. Jake's gone. They've replaced him with an identical character named Ryan. Yeah, played by Edward Winter. Who's Edward Winter, Jordan? I, I only know him from one thing, which is he played a recurring character on MASH called Colonel uh, Colonel Flag, I think it was. Not my favorite character. Why? Is that a bad character or is he a bad guy? No, he was like, the the joke was just like, he's like uh, like a personification of the stupidity of of uh, the military intelligence. So he's kind of like a, uh, a bumbling fool who comes in and like, you know, is all bureaucratic when things don't make sense. And, uh, and he's a super conspiracy theorist. The problem was as the show got more and more serious and was tackling like actual issues, to bring him into the show, I thought was so bizarre because it'd just be like, I was like, isn't he like a season one character? Why is he here? Anyways, that's what I most know him for. But he's like, I'd say you're pretty, pretty accurate on that. He's just the same as the other character. These are not interesting characters by any means. Although I think they're really trying. They're trying to make Harry something. I don't know what it is though. Not interesting. <laughs> I know. It's funny to switch major, major, uh, what's his name? Gets or whatever out. And then you're Jake like, Gatlin. You're- Jake Gatlin, and then here's here's Captain Ryan, and just like I'm like, well, it's the same character. He has no further yeah. personality. Yeah, it wasn't like they were like, okay, you know what? We're he's got a contract on a movie or something. We're gonna lose him. Let's go the opposite direction. Let's let's have a, a quirky other character, or God forbid, someone of color or a woman or anything other than just another bland white dude who's got there's just nothing, nothing to pull from. I mean, he's definitely more annoyed by Fitz, maybe. Yeah, do you think so? I think so. He's very annoyed by him in these episodes, I think. Mm, yeah. Anyways, it's pretty much pretty much the same. Although we should say we're so we're into season two now, as we're as we're bouncing around. A uh, new new opening. That's right. You can't start a new season without a new opening. Yeah. What do you think? Do you like it better or worse than the last one? Um, it's nice that they're showing off the miniatures more. It's like it just basically they show a bunch of miniature UFOs off and then kind of push it on planet Earth and it says Project UFO and then, uh, you know, title cards with face credits for everybody. Yeah, new font. I miss that. Yeah, new font, new new song. And Is it a new uh, song. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Do you like the lyrics now? <laughs> yeah, there, there isn't lyrics, but uh, that would be funny if there was. Project UFO. Anyways, um, but yeah, it's uh, they've tried to jazz it up a little bit. Unfortunately, the show is still n- n- no jazz. You know, it's uh, it's free. It's not freestyle at all. It's kind of by <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyways, I'm jumping ahead. So Jordan, I hear you have a game for us. <laughs> I like that awkward pause. Um, I do. I do have a game. It's just a little a trivia game. Trivia game. Uh. That is testing your alien and specifically UFO knowledge. But I didn't have a title for it, so I just called it All Aliens All the Time. Great. Yeah. Uh, cue music, you know? Project UFO. <laughs> That's, that is the song, yeah. It's the same song I sang. So, 10 questions. And, and it's and it's all over the place. It's just a test to see how you, how you do um, on aliens. <laughs> you know how quizzes go. Yeah, I've heard it. of them. You've heard of them. That's what it is. Okay, let's just get into it instead of be explaining again. Question one. Place these alien contact movies in order from earliest to latest release date. Okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Abyss, Cocoon, Fire in the Sky, Starman. Mm, it's going to be 2001. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Starman. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to be Cocoon, and then it's going to be The Abyss. And then Fire in the Sky last? Oh, I forgot about Fire in the Sky. Yeah, let's put Fire in the Sky last. <laughs> you, my friend, are exactly correct. You got them all in a row. Look a at Space that. Space Odyssey, uh, Starman, Cocoon, The Abyss, and Fire in the Sky. Good for you. Five in a row. Question two. <laughs> In the actual FBI Project uh, Blue Book documents, what year is listed as having both the most sightings and most unidentified sightings? Because they broke it into two categories. I'm just telling you, I actually sent this to you this week, Luke, This uh, the Project Blue Book files, which has it in there. So these were from 1947 to 1969. And so I've got four years you can uh, pick of one of these. Was it 1966, 1952, 1967, or 1949? I'm just picking most sightings or most uh, unknowns. It's both. This year had both. Oh, they're both same year. Uh, 52, mm-hmm. I think. You're correct. 1952, which had 15, sorry, 1,501 sightings and 303 of those were unidentified. Ooh. Yeah. I believe you're, I believe they're called true unknowns, Jordan. True unknowns. That's right. <laughs> not, not a false unknown. Uh, question three. Which member of Blink-182 founded To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences which, among other things, participates in the investigation of UFOs and other fringe science projects. Oh, I have to know the n- people who are. Yeah, what's the name? What's the name? They're a very popular band. You're a hip guy. Pete Wentz. Nope, unfortunately, it was Tom DeLong. Is Tom Pete DeLong. Wentz in Sum Forty One? No, he's in a different band. Is it Sum Forty One or Blink One Eighty Two? I already forgot. It's Blink One Eighty Two, but it doesn't matter. His the important thing is he's finding aliens. How's he doing? Do you find any? Uh, I think he would say he did. Oh, great. Good for him. <laughs> Question four. Match the TV show Alien with their home planet. And so the, the options you have are the Solomon family from Third Rock from the Sun, Mork from Mork and Mindy, Alf from Alf, the aliens from Roswell, and the aliens from Alien Nation. So I will give you uh, the, uh, the planets down. You have to match them. So the planet options yeah, are... Just give me one planet at a time. Okay, Tankton. Tankton. Yeah, T-E-N-C-T-O-N. Tankton, I believe is how it's pronounced. Tankton. Yeah. I'm going to go with the aliens from uh, Alien Nation. Okay. Okay, next is, uh, do you want me to see if you're right or not or keep going? I don't know. What is your game? Let's keep going. Uh, The next planet is called the Oasis. The Oasis. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Uh, I'm going to say Roswell. Okay. Next is Melmac. I believe that would be Mork. Mork? Okay. The next is Orc. Oh, well, that's clearly Mork. Yeah. So you want to switch that? And what's Melmac then? Maybe the third rock from the sun. It doesn't sound right, but I'll know it when I hear the next one. Okay. And then uh, the final is, is simply a barrel spiral. A, bar- a barred sparrow gal. One more time. A. Baird Spiral Galaxy on the Cepheus Draco border. What do I have left? Uh, right Aliens. now, it's Alf. Oh, um, so let's put an Elf and Tankton, and then let's send Third Rock from the Sun there. I don't remember anymore. Uh, Elf, Tankton, I don't know. Yeah, All right. who would I have Tankton before? Tankton, you had the Aliens from Alien Nation. Let's put the Alien Nation aliens there. <laughs> okay. Uh, you were actually better before you made your switches because you were originally correct. The aliens from Alien Nation are from Tankton. Oh. The aliens from Roswell are from the Oasis. Alf is actually from Melmac. Uh, Orc, uh, Mork is from Orc. And the Solomon family are from the uh, Spiral Galaxy on the Acephius Dragon. Uh, I thought that was the case, but I didn't know how to re-switch all of them around without remembering all the names of everything. <laughs> oh, no problem. Don't worry. There's more questions, Luke. Question five. During World War II, U.S. pilots began reporting odd balls of light or shiny metallic spheres that could fly circles around their planes. What were these UFOs called? These were the Foo Fighters, Jordan. You are correct. What's your favorite Foo Fighters song? <laughs> I, uh, uh, Everlong. <laughs> <laughs> what, is that your favorite Foo Fighters song? I thought you were a big fan. Eh, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, question six. <laughs> We're just moving fast. In Arthur C. Clarke's book, uh, Childhood's End, how long are the overlords on Earth before they reveal their physical appearance? Is it A, 100 years, B, 55 years, C, 5 years, or D, they never reveal themselves? 
Oh, I'm going to say they never reveal themselves. Or it's 100. Oh, it's B, 55 years. I've never oh, read the book, 55, though. 55, eh? Yeah, 55 years. It's a long childhood. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Question seven. The English rock band UFO, who formed in 1968, by the way, have released how many studio albums? 14, 7, 36, or 22? Oh, good Lord. I'll go 22. You are correct. They also relieved 14 live recordings, 16 compilation, and one covers album. Everyone loves UFO. Come on. Uh, what's a song that they say? Couldn't think of one. Um, but they, there's plenty of them if you want to check out. They have 22 albums. Question eight. In War of the Worlds uh, by H.G. Wells, where do the aliens come from? Is it Venus, Neptune, Mars, or Saturn? I want to say Venus for some reason. It is unfortunately Mars, the old classic Mars. Oh, I guess they're not women. <laughs> Very good. Very quick. Um, two more questions. Question nine. Which U.S. president once reported seeing a UFO? Was it oh. A, Jimmy Carter, B, Ronald Reagan, C, Bill Clinton, D, John F. Kennedy? It was Jimmy Carter. You are correct. I even have a quote from him, which is, It was the darnest thing I ever seen. It was big, it was very bright, it changed colors, and it was about the size of the moon. We watched it for 10 minutes, but none of us could figure out what it was. One thing's for sure, I'll never make fun of people who say they've seen unidentified objects in the sky. It was crazy down at that peanut farm. Yeah. <laughs> and the last question, Luke, is very specific, and I think I've told you this story before. But it's question 10. When I, me, Jordan, was at a bar in Rachel, Nevada, specifically it was the Little Alley Inn near Area 51, Someone came in uh, loudly and announced that Buster, a local, had broken what? A, his nose. B, his dick. C, his ankle. D, his neck. <laughs> well, as I recall the story, I believe Buster broke his dick. He did. He broke his dick on the local prostitute. That was the story that was announced loudly to all of us there. And, that was uh, a that's big a day little... down at that bar. <laughs> that was a big day at the bar. Uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, when I was there, I believe the population was 90-something, and I looked it up when I was... Um, putting this quiz together, I was like, aha, that's amusing. Luke will remember that story. Um, and I looked up, the population is now about 40-something. <laughs> oh, wow. And it, it's, yeah. the, it's in Nevada, right? Like the middle of the desert? That's right, yeah. Rachel, Nevada. Yeah, and you ate that clam chowder there? <laughs> I did. You have a very good memory. Yes, we were in the middle of the the, the, the desert. I was there, and uh, I was like, I think I'll get the clam chowder. And as soon as I ordered it, I said, what am I thinking? Why would I do that? Anyways, it wasn't great. I'm not convinced this wasn't a whole fever dream you had. <laughs> Anyways, then uh, someone announced that Buster broke his dick. Anyways, that was uh, that was uh, the the quiz. And you did all right. I didn't add up what you did, but you did pretty well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, why not? It's just fun. Fun to waste time. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've wasted all the time, shall we get into this week's episodes? Yeah, let's do it. Here is the IMDb summary for episode six, citing 4019, the Believe It or Not incident. Yeah. Captain Ryan and Staff Sergeant Fitz traveled to Utah to investigate a UFO sighting that was reported by an engineering professor on behalf of one of his graduate students. Mm -hmm. I have a, a two quick things to say. One, um, I would say that's a, that's a very accurate overall uh, synopsis for the show. The first thing I'd like to say is there is zero reason for the professor to announce it as opposed to the guy. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. There's no weight to it. It's pointless. It's just time waster. And that brings me into my second point, which is, of all the episodes we've watched so far, this episode has about 10 minutes of actual content. That's stretched <laughs> out to 48 minutes. There's, there's, the shots of the ship are so long. Like, the first time they did it, I was like, this is a lot. Like, I mean, maybe they're just showing off how good the model work is. Because again, the model work is great in this show. There's nothing you can slam on that. But the shot of the alien ship is like, you know that, that opening shot in Star Wars where the ship just keeps going and it's like, can you believe the magnitude of this thing? They do that uh, for their own ship and then they do, I don't know, I guess about 300 other shots of the ship that are also as long and then the characters occasionally walk in and go, aliens, and that's it. That's the episode. That's what should be the synopsis well, of this Well, that's the beginning of it. This, this graduate student... And, it, and, it's, and it's nonstop. ...is driving through Salt Lake City, the desert outside of it, and yeah. a very long spaceship flies over, and uh, that means it's time for Project Blue Book to go to Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my favorite thing is they did try to do something here, I think, between season one and season two. Is there a tempting 
to humanize the two Project Blue Book characters a little bit because when we meet them before they go out, they're the on fishing. a little fishing trip. Yeah. Which I, I don't think the new character, Captain Ryan, wants to be there for, but he's kind of stuck there. Until, of course, his beeper goes off to announce another UFO. Yeah, they have... they um, I think in both episodes, they have them kind of doing stuff and um, then Libby calls them is what basically happens. Or she, yeah, she... She beeps them and then they have to call her from a payphone or whatever, um, which is nice because it also kind of brings her back into the show. I think she's been missing for a few episodes, but it's not like this is great screen time she's getting. I think one of the episodes she's just on the phone, but it yeah, is a I way was to happy like Libby was back too, um, and I like yeah. this futuristic technology, the beeper. Yeah, well, you know what it is though. It, it, I think it watching these, it would have been nice, and I don't think it's the way the direction is, and I, I feel like this is a a complaint or a um, a want that I've brought up in other shows. It'd be nice if this was more of a team effort. Like you got you got a sense of how this organization worked and like what Libby does and how these reports come in and how she gets to these guys and, and their dynamics between them because that's not what this show wants to do. They want to get to the meat and bones of these UFO sightings that have very little content for the viewer. You want to see the boys in the lab looking at all the evidence and being like inconclusive. Sure, sure. If it's uh, if it's like an interesting character and they have like a relationship with these other guys and there's something, some dynamics at all, like it's like, I'm I'm just saying, there's, uh, this is something for the end, but like there's almost no conflict or twist or intrigue or anything in this episode, and it's it's starting to drive me crazy in the show. I'm like guys, just walking around going, huh, nothing is not enough for a TV show. <laughs> well, I'm just Project saying. Blue Book boys, they head to the Hallenbeck Institute. Hallenbeck? Hallenbeck Institute, Jordan. Yeah, Hallenbeck, yeah. Which I don't know if you've caught this, but it's described as the poor man's MIT and or Caltech. <laughs> Is that right? I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah I believe uh, Captain Ryan's just like, ever heard of Hallenbeck? And then he's like, no, it's the poor man's MIT. Yeah, like, thanks for the editorialization. I didn't need that. It's a shitty school, man. <laughs> Can you imagine just like just hanging out with somebody? That's always what they do. You're like, yeah, hey, you want to get lunch? You're like, yeah, you go to that place that's not very good. It's not as good as this other place. And you're like, okay, like we don't have to go there. Let's go to a better school. And as you said, Roy's professor has reported the encounter on behalf of Roy, the graduate student. And yeah. you said there was no reason for it, Jordan. But it's because Roy is a shy boy. Yeah, that's it. Because he's just a shy boy. He's a little shy. And that's it. It's stupid. <laughs> it's they because there's there, there's nothing to take from that. It's not like that. There's a payoff to that later on. Do you know what I mean? Jordan, what are you talking about? There's also this great new other character introduced with a huge payoff. Uh, Roy's enemy, the other grad student, Fred, who's constantly trying to undercut him. Yeah, but he, but we don't see him constantly trying to undercut, undercut him only in this one conversation. <laughs> we see him for exactly one minute of screen time off the top and they say... Yeah. He, they don't like each other, and he never comes back again to do anything. Yeah, it's all tell in this show. That's that's what I mean. It's like they they set all these things up. I'm like, oh, okay, this will have some sort of context. He has set this guy up to actually think he's seen a UFO because it's a scam and blah, 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 or whatever it is. Not that that's maybe a better show, but at least it it puts together all these disparate pieces, whereas this show, they're just like, yeah, these two guys don't like each other. Are we going to see that? Nope. People just talk come, about it is they imply that uh, Fred leaks Roy's story to the papers to, like, make him seem oh, that is true. crappy. But it never comes up to any any specific purpose. <laughs> right. That is true, though, yeah. At any rate, Project Blue Book goes out to meet Roy, where uh, he's in the desert, and he's doing his engineering master's, and he's doing his research in this desert, and I believe his master's is in uh, driving cars really fast? <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. His His master's is just, like, dune buggies. Yeah, it's just like, he's just driving a car really fast. He's like, well, I did it. I drove that car really fast. And I'm like, okay, cool. It's just one of those, like, they must have just been around that area. Like, it'll just be, it'll just be like a cool shot. I think I've actually said this before on the podcast. Um, when you watch the original Thomas Crown Affair with Steve McQueen, there's an extended sequence where he's just driving dune buggies. And I'm sure Steve McQueen was just like, uh, I'd like to just drive dune buggies in this movie. And they're like, yeah, okay, we could take three, four minutes of the movie. <laughs> Anyways, it's similar to that, but not as exciting. Um, and Roy explains his UFO encounter to them. Essentially, as we described, a very long UFO showed up. And on the back of that UFO had a very flat screen, like a big flat TV screen on the back of the UFO. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it would flash colors to him. 
and I, I think at some point it flashed images of people who go to his school as well um, for no clear purpose. And he's just like, this is what I saw. And Luke, you know what's weird, though, is it flashes because we as a viewer see those images, too. I don't know if it's now, but we will and maybe in the next time because this show always does like a double flashback where we see a little bit. Then the person recounts it and they give a larger context to things although we never really get much more information but the the images of the people we are they're flashing are people we don't even know who they are yet it's it, i thought it was very weird I mean, like, I here's some of them we never meet <laughs> well we we meet um his mother is flashed his girlfriend and then yeah a few random people and i was like oh weird because again it i thought that was going to pay off but it, do, it doesn't really no, the idea is, he says that, like, the UFO is communicating to him. And, you know, we've now watched the flashback where we get to see the entirety of how his alien encounter, which, as you said, goes on for three to four to seven minutes. Yeah. And as he gets to the end, he's like, it communicated with me. And they're like, what did it tell you? He's just like, oh, it told me where to go to for my second encounter a couple of days later. And then he describes the second encounter, and it is an exact repeat of the first encounter for the full seven minutes. (laughs) That's what I mean. Did did it not feel? My note literally is, I have a note here. It goes, this episode must have been short. It's just shot after shot of this ship. What happens at the end of his second encounter, he says, though, is that apparently the UFO is communicating with him, but not us, the audience. And he says, the UFO got annoyed with me uh during the whole flashing lights period and it's later revealed it's because i guess i think we're supposed to think because he brought his girlfriend and left her in the car and that's the right alien said don't bring anybody with you um so the ufo got annoyed and it took off and as it left apparently the ufo explained to him its purpose and that was the aliens can't breathe our air very well so they want roy to tell the public to correct the problem for them or they'll conquer us yeah that's right. Yeah, it was like it was like, or they'll have to like. Yeah, it's like, look, that's just the way it is. And if you guys just don't do it, we'll just have to destroy you. No big deal. But I'd be like, yeah, you guys can't even breathe our air. Good luck. That's what I was thinking too. I'm just like, this is this is the weakest thing. It's like, yeah, I'll make our, your air more breathable, or we'll come down here and take you over. Like, uh, I mean, we can't breathe, but we'll do it somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite part about that too never comes up again the man says the alien said he was going to they're conquering the planet nobody is concerned with that particular piece of information (laughs) well because but that that's another thing that's not what project blue book is doing it's not like this is the beginning of them now going on this adventure right it's oh interesting anyways we'll go look at boulders you know it's all so procedural and so uh scientific but also incredibly vague at the same time so you're just left with watching people like you were joking about watching the, the characters do the the test and being inconclusive we might as well watch that it's as exciting as watching these guys look at boulders well that's the next 30 minutes of the episode is they collect evidence it all comes back inconclusive they visit roy's mother who's a psychic for some reason yeah again she's you know what it is they're just trying to color things they're like it's a psychic you're like oh is this have something to do with um him and how he's been affected by his upbringing is it have to do with actual um ability to see the future or anything no it's just psychic but why mention it they ask his mom they're like do you think he could lie and he's like she's like yeah sure probably (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, sure he's a human being we've all lied at some point and then she never comes back they (laughs) uh meet his girlfriend who is on crutches which is very funny she tells the story about how she went out there with him and then she saw some lights over the hill so she broke her promise and got out of the car but she took two steps fell over and like broke her leg yeah i was desperate desperate because of the way they uh, uh color characters in the show i was really hoping they were never going to show her injuring her ankle it was just a thing because it made as much sense as the, uh, mentioning that the mother's a psychic where they're like she's like oh i just hurt my ankle they're like anyway i did think <laughs> but they, too, they introduced yeah. her and she was walking around on crutches i was just like oh did, did like the actress just like you know did she get the part and then sprain her ankle and they're just like that's ah, fine we'll we'll work around <laughs> yeah it's like um uh what's his face um Robert Shaw in the in the sting that he has he has a he has a, a cane in that because he hurt his ankle before before the uh, movie so that's his characterization is the character has a cane add some nice color there you go um, but they do get one thing out of the whole investigation is that Roy apparently heard the alien craft it was making like a, a clicking noise and he's managed to recreate it by I guess he plays the gourds <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they and I have to say, I'll I'll give the show. I know it seemed like I'm 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 crapping all over it. Um, I thought the ship looked great. If I do say it again, and I thought the sound was interesting. We hadn't talked about it. It's almost like a, um, 
it actually sounds like um, just a bunch of like kind of wooden uh, percussive instrument sort of all clicking together, um, like a bunch of people playing um, a few kind of different type of um, hollow sounding like wooden instruments. So it's all very percussive and clickety and it's interesting sounding. I don't know how close this is off of um, uh, Close Encounters, which obviously the big thing was those tones was in that movie. But it's an interesting concept of the sound that you're experiencing that, again, the show doesn't really go into other than they throw in, oh, yeah, this guy who I can't remember what his name is, Roy. Roy, who um, who saw the, saw the UFO. He's also into music. And uh, he replicated it. But I love that one point where they, like, she goes, the aliens sound like this. And she plays a recording. And uh, one of the guys, I think it was... Um, it's Orion. Harry is like, yeah, Harry. He's like, he's like, how did you get that recording? She's like, oh, it's not a recording. He just, uh, he's trying to replicate it as best as possible. And they're like, oh, interesting. I would have been <laughs> like, well, what are you showing me? Like, I don't... That'd be, that'd be like me saying to you, oh, the aliens talk to me. And you're like, what do they sound like? I'm like, they sounded like this, like aliens. You're like, okay great but you didn't get a recording of them so you're just making it up i will ag- i will agree with you though it's the thing this show does really well is the mo- the alien models are cool the entire sound design around that spaceship was yeah. cool um it's just but like don't you wish they did something with the sound design don't you think there was like there was something there about like communication like that's an interesting idea that's how they communicate to you because language is different like but they're like yeah they just they make those noises is there a reason nope just for twists and the turns in the episode. Yeah. At any rate, after all their research, the Project Blue Book boys, they think they have an answer. And they, they take Roy and they take him back to the encounter site at the same time he's been for his other encounters at 1 a.m. And when they get out there, it turns out there's a double temperature inversion here, too. <laughs> they, they have used this at least three times. The stupid double temperature inversion. Definitely was in the pilot. And I will say this for them, though. Um, they kind of explain that it's at 1 a.m., a train happens to pass by about a mile away. And as it goes by, the, the weather inversion or whatever it is, it causes the reflections from the train to kind of reflect off the clouds above it. And then the clicking sound is obviously the sound of the train, like, rolling over the things. And they actually do a good job with the VFX actually showing what that looks like this time. Yeah. Whereas I think in the yeah. pilot, they just said that's what it was and never did any further, like, explanation. I would agree with that. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. Like, are doing VFX to show you kind of what that looks like. And it looks actually good. The VFX for, like, what that effect looks like are very effective. Yeah. It's almost like uh, a little bit like an Aurora Borealis sort of thing, the way it's, like, sort of reflected. Maybe not as colorful, but it's that sort of thing of just, like, um, uh, like morphing images on clouds. And, yeah, it looked pretty good. And, uh, you know, they're just like, this seems to be the most likely explanation. Of course, Roy's annoyed. He's like, oh, I saw an alien. Uh, but that's sort of the end of his story. But as you said, during the episode, Project Blue Book got a call from Libby now that she's back on the show. I missed her. I'm glad she's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that apparently they got another report of a similar sighting in Utah. Um, so at the end of the episode, they finally get around to like, well, let's drive out to, let's drive out to this guy and see what his setting's about. And they, they take a trip over to this guy's house. And this guy's just like, yeah, yeah, man, I saw the exact same UFO a few nights ago, basically sort of confirming the same timing as old Roy had. Did you get to the thing, what he said as soon as they came into the house though? He's like, sorry, my place is a mess. Uh, both my uh, wife and daughter are away. So there's no way I can clean. I did. I, I did yeah. notice that. We'll talk about that a little more <laughs> later. Um, it is a great scene, though, because he like we see a flashback to him seeing the UFO as he's pulling to his house and he runs into his house and he is knocking over and smashing every vase in his house like it's a Mr. Yeah. Bean episode. <laughs> yeah. And of course, obviously, as always, there's no hard evidence. And this is like literally this is the last like five minutes. There's no hard evidence. And the, they're like, well, what about this? Did you hear a weird clicking sound? He's like. Me? No, I had my hands over my ears, so I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And as Project Blue Book goes to leave, they walk out the door, and the camera pans across the living room. They're like, well, another <laughs> another true unknown. We'll never know what happened. And it, the camera comes to a stop on top of a parrot in a cage, and the parrot starts mimicking the UFO sound. Yeah. It was the funniest thing. It's the only thing that's good in this episode was the parrot mimicking the aliens. There's one other line I wanted to mention, though. Um, in this episode, when they're when they're talking to Roy, when they're showing him uh, the most likely uh, uh, reason he's seen these things, like you're saying, the temperature inversion and blah blah blah, and uh, and he's getting irritated at them. And uh, the new guy, it's not Colonel Flag. What was his name? His name is uh, Ben Ryan. Ryan, Captain Ryan. Yeah, he said to them, he goes, "Um, we at Project Blue Book have a pretty good batting average." And I and I yelled at the TV, "No, you don't." 
You have a terrible, you have a zero, zero percent batting average. Zero. I just love that. It just reminds you of something I hear from people at work all the time. People are always like, like they, there's this weird thing where people compliment themselves and they're like, I'm pretty good at my job. And I want to go, no, you're not. You're terrible. <laughs> and I know you're terrible because I'm working with you right now. But your, your concept of your own abilities are so skewed. I'm pretty good. No, you're not. And that's what I would have loved to have said to Project Blue Book. You guys are not good. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Anyway. Oh, it was quite the episode. Um, I have a question for you. Did you happen to read the IMDb trivia for the episode? No, I didn't. So fun, fun trivia. Actually, this was this episode was kind of a soft crossover with like um, this was the lead in to um, I don't know if you're have you heard of Mrs. Columbo? Um, no, I wasn't familiar with Mrs. Columbo. I know Mr. Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was a spinoff of Columbo, starring Kate uh, Mulgrew from Voyager. Oh wow! As Mrs. Interesting. Columbo. But this was a soft, a soft crossover, and the the man at the end is the crossover link point. Is that, as you said, uh, someone as someone comes to see Mrs. Columbo, a f- old friend of hers, and she's just like, uh, I haven't heard from this woman I know for for a while. Can you look into it? And the, she goes and like she looks into the mystery, and the mystery is she gets there, and this guy's just like the guy who said my wife and kids have been gone for months. They're in Europe. And he's murdered them. Oh my gosh! What a bizarre way to connect. And TV of course, shows. the twist at the end is that the parrot gives away the like clue that they need to solve the puzzle. What an odd! I'm trying to think if I could think of another thing in TV where they've done that sort of thing. Like I know they've done like, you know, there was weird things like connecting, um, like themed. They did like you know four shows to have the same sort of theme for stuff. But what an odd way to keep people watching, huh? Like hey. You guys love that parrot, right? Don't worry. Parrot's back in the next half hour, so stay tuned. If you hear that, my wife and kids are in Europe. Whoa, what does that mean? Yeah. That's so funny, though. I didn't I didn't know that for the trivia. It's interesting because I thought it was just like um, a line um, as a bit of a uh, timestamp of like, <laughs> well, I can't possibly clean. I'm an, an older man. That's, that's a woman's work. <laughs> but it's because he's a murderer. He's a horrible murderer. Jordan, that was all a lie I made up. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. None of that is real. <laughs> oh, this is how much free time I had in my head while watching Project Blue. <laughs> you know what, though, I really enjoyed that. I I like the idea that there was um, that they would have done something like that. I thought they should have. As soon as he said, "My wife and kids are in Europe," I'm like, "Oh, he killed them." Oh, Mrs. Columbo. Good thing I never said I'd heard of it. It's real. That's a real show. Is it really? That's a real show with Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> well, we've got to watch that next. Very science fiction. <laughs> Anyways, there's that episode. Let's just pretend it never happened, and we can move on to the next one. I'll give you some more. Uh, I'll give you some Mrs. Columbo trivia, though. Oh yeah, go go ahead. I believe sometime after the first season, <laughs> or maybe in the middle of the first season, they realized Mrs. Columbo was a bad name. And they called. I think they called it the Kate Columbo Mysteries or something. They're like, oh, we can't call this Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> uh, how many? Do you know how long it ran for? I know. I think maybe two seasons max. Yeah, just like this show. <laughs> Continuum drag. No, no, no. We, yeah, we've we've now run much longer than some of the shows we've watched, including Project UFO. All right. Now that I finished pranking you so effectively. Oh, man. I I wish it was a prank that that happened in real life. I shouldn't have told you. You'd be walking around telling people on the street about that. Yeah. Yeah. What a disappointment. All these people would be like, you fool. That never happened. I'm trying to think what's more disappointing, disappointing that that didn't happen or that I watched these two episodes of Project UFO. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's the IMDb summary for season two, episode eleven, citing four thousand twenty-four, the Scoutmaster incident. Mm-hmm. Well, that ought to prove something, huh, Captain? It might. We'd like to keep it for examination. We'll send it back to our lab, and we'll return it to you. Tell me something, okay? Try to. You doing all this checking because you believe in me, or because you don't, and you just want to prove I'm some kind of kook or something? We only want to learn what you saw. Nothing more, nothing less. A scoutmaster witnesses a UFO while out camping with his troop in the wilderness of Mississippi. Captain Ryan and Staff Sergeant Fitz fly south to the Magnolia State to investigate for Project Blue Book and discover another witness. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Again, what a weird way of of explaining it. But yeah, basically, two people are going to see the same thing. And uh, the one guy is a... Uh, a scoutmaster. No, I'm going to say they do a better job of 
making you interested in the person that had the sighting in this episode than the last episode. I don't think they go enough into it, but I think it's um, the, the cause and effect actually at least makes sense as to be like the first episode. They're like, why didn't he want to talk? And why did we have the professor do it? He's shy. What? And then it's like, but is there any reason to have this professor do it? Nope. Is there any reason for the other guy to be um, challenging him for this position at the university? Nope. At least this one has some, you know, Again, some cause and effect. I agree. I agree with you. I think to some extent. Um, this one, of course, starts off, and I was a little disappointed because it starts off with a scouts camping trip, and I'm like, super scouts. Super <laughs> I thought the scouts, same thing. <laughs> super scouts. <laughs> That's right. But unfortunately, the kids don't get abducted by aliens and they get jumping powers. What happens is the uh, they spot a light out in the trees, and the scoutmaster goes to investigate. Um, and we haven't mentioned this, Jordan, but I have noticed it in every single episode of this we've watched. They do some of the worst day-for-night photography I have ever seen in a TV. You know, I didn't really notice it. We're watching it with such poor quality uh, YouTube videos, I didn't really notice. Every single time an encounter happens at night, the characters are clearly out during the day. It's blue skies. There are, like, like white clouds floating above them. They never do any color timing. It looks like it's the middle of broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm so invested in these characters. I don't even notice. <laughs> but I will say, this might have one of the raddest UFOs we've ever seen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, so he's. So this guy, the scoutmaster. I don't know if we. I'm sure we get his name. I don't know who he is. I just wrote him down as the scoutmaster. He's out with three kids. They're doing your classic kind of camping thing, um, and like they've got their tent set up. They see some lights. He goes, "Kids, just wait here. I'm gonna go investigate this myself." He goes out there with, I think it's a machete he has with him. I think it's for yes. cutting down branches. Seems a little aggressive for camping with three kids, but regardless. Um, he goes and we see what is kind of like a like a cone. Is that how you kind of call it? I would say it's like a NASA space capsule. Like it looks exactly like a NASA space capsule. Yeah. So it's like that. And he it's sort of like hovering above him. And what it sort of does is at first it looks like it. Sh- it I don't know if it's shooting or it's causing like these like blue type of flames at first. And then it actually seems to, like, shoot him with, like, heat rays. Yeah. Um, Those blue flames, it seems to emerge out of the blue flames. And did you notice inside of the blue flames, it's like sea monkeys are dancing in the blue flame? Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Oh, Grant, we're watching some pretty low-quality postage stamps of these shows. But nonetheless, I was like, this is insane to watch. Yeah, so the, first you get blue flames, and then it's like, I don't know if it's now or when we get the, the, the retelling, where he's basically taking his machete and swinging at these this these flames or this sort of like these ray beams. Yeah, the UFO, it's, it's like they're shooting flames. It's like they're shooting neon red flames down on him, and he's waving his machete like trying to swat them out of the air. Yeah, I like the idea of like there's a fire and you use a knife to try to fight the fire. Well, then I love, too, because the camera just tilts up and the ship's there shooting fire at him. And then the ship just explodes. It just explodes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? What? Yeah. And then we cut from that, Jordan. Hard cut. We're at the Air Force hobby shop where you build models uh, in the Air Force. I didn't understand. And it's like, it looks like it's like, they're not, the like, funding is coming through. Like, it's it's pretty decent. And they're all making models. And then... I didn't get I didn't get this joke. Maybe you could explain it to me. So, what's his face? Old um, Captain uh, Ryan. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, Harry. He's, Harry's he's in the model shop. Work. He's looking at instructions for a model. Yeah, Harry's doing that, and then uh, Ben Ryan, the new character, Captain Ryan, comes in. He's like other way around. Him? Other way around. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Our new guy. Our new guy's in there making a model. This is his new character trait. Right, and so then the other guy comes in. Is like, hey. Uh, want to see the model I'm making? No, you're, like, you're, you're you're very confused. It's there's only one person making a model. Yeah, but I thought he was like, no. Do you want to see this? He, he they come. But the point is, they come out and see a car. And my point is, did someone actually make that car? Is that yeah? The, the guy joke? who's making the guy who's looking at the instructions for the model. He's just like, I can't figure out where the last piece goes. And he's like, you want to come see what the model I've built? And he comes out and he's just built a full sized car. And he's like, and then he's like, the other guy Fitz is like, where's the model? He's just like, this is it. I made this model car. Yeah, and then they go for a drive in the car. Jordan, also, if you thought a DeLorean had cool doors, what about the doors oh, on I know. this car? The whole the whole top opens like um like the nineteen eighty nine Batmobile. Yeah, the canopy just lifts off and it looks incredibly small. Like the car- the actors are barely yeah. able to crawl inside. 
<laughs> it's a stupid car. It's a stupid, stupid car. And they go driving. And, and the whole point of this, as per the other thing, is there, there's no point to this. Is this car ever going to come back? Did you learn anything about the characters? Is it going to have a payoff? Nope. Just time wasting. Yeah, the beeper goes off and they had to head off to uh, <laughs> Old Kentucky, I believe is the, yeah. is that the Magnolia State, I guess? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Anyway, they fly down there and they check in with the local small town police chief at his at his station. And Jordan, I know you said that this character was a lot different from that last character, but uh, he's a little shy. So the police chief had to call in this UFO report because, oh, that's Goatmaster. He's too shy to do it himself. Yeah, it's it's funny that these well, it's funny because these aren't back to back, but we watch them back to back because they have the same same characterization again. Uh, the reason this guy hasn't reported it, I think, as a better payoff than the other one, because the other one is just shy, shyness. Um, yes, of course. But so he's, so he's basically like, yeah, go talk to the guy. So well, I, I do like Jordan. I gotta yeah. say though, uh, Staff Sergeant Fitz, he's happy to be back in the South. He's happy to talk to a good old Kentucky boy, this uh, police chief, and they're just shooting the shit about grits and whatnot. And uh, old Captain Ryan gets so mad at him for talking. <laughs> Yeah, I just ignored all of it because it was. It, I knew it wasn't gonna. There was no point to it. There's no point. He keeps to doing it though. Every time Sergeant Fitz tries to have a conversation with someone about like Southern things, why does Captain Ryan get so mad about it every single time? Because he's a Northerner. He doesn't want to hear them in their in their accents, you know, <laughs> and their laid back ways. <laughs> he's a Union soldier. He's not standing for That's this right. stuff. That's right. But they basically do the classic thing where they go to someone and they're like, um. Anyways, I'll see you later. I actually think this is the point where I think they show up and they say, um, hey, we need to do something. Um, he's like, oh, but he's uh, – no, no, it's it's the scene we're going to meet these, this uh, guy who did the investigation where they come to talk to him and he's like, hey, uh, yeah, I saw the UFO. They're like, can we talk to you? He's like, I'm actually busy for about 45 minutes. And they go, oh, okay. That gives us time to go check into the hotel. Cut to them, them interviewing him. I was like – what? Why not? Why even do that? Why add that seat in? It was but, so uh, important they, they, to learn the scoutmaster is also the gym teacher at the local school. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah we find out he's he's the gym teacher. We see him. Um, there's another funny thing. The kids are um they're in like a practice. And they're practicing layups. And at one point he goes to talk to the kids that were there with him um at camp. And he's and they're like, hey, should we um should we should we tell someone about what we saw? And he's like, no, no. Just keep it to ourselves. It actually, this scene has aged really poorly because it sounds like he's having them keep a very nefarious secret. But he's like, no, no, don't tell anyone. They won't understand. It looks really bad. And then he's like, get back to the game, kids. And I was like, they're not playing a game. They're doing layups. <laughs> Anyways, these um, are the things I, f- I focus on when the show is so boring. They uh, return to the site of the of the encounter with Project Blue Book. And he describes the encounter. We see a flashback to what we've already seen per usual. And, you know, they describe to us because we can't really see it uh, due to the poor picture quality. But apparently he has burns all over his face and hands from the fire that got shot down. Um, And they are able to track down the machete he was swinging at the UFO. And it seems to have some odd magnetic readings on it. Well, Jordan, would you believe it? Those magnetic readings are inconclusive. (laughs) It's every time. Every time. Never once they even give you a hint of something. You're like, like, oh, we... It's not even inconclusive. Like, this is not from our planet. Nothing. Just, it's always inconclusive. Don't even bother doing the test. I have a, I'm assuming in the lab they're not even doing the tests. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's inconclusive. And they go back to playing backgammon or whatever they do. But after spending a couple hours with the Scoutmaster kind of going over the story, Scoutmaster keeps getting more and more agitated and, like, really is not enjoying this investigation. So he sort of takes yeah, he's off. being very aggressive. And Sergeant Fitz thinks he might have figured out why because sergeant fitz went down to the old newsstand and he picked up the latest issue of ufo facts magazine <laughs> yeah and it's and the way they basically imply um that because this is the newest issue um there's a good chance he saw this and and made it up because the ship on the cover looks very much like his description absolutely but doesn't that seem like a bit of a leap of logic that like I saw a magazine, he must have seen this, but we don't. You don't know where he went or what he's seen. He walked past the newsstand every day, and he just that got into uh-huh. his brain this week. Yeah. But Jordan, boy, howdy! You think that UFO on the cover is good? You got to see the UFO in the centerfold. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> they should have had a scene like that where they took the magazine and flipped it sideways and then just whistled. You know. <laughs> 
At any rate, um, there has been some news coverage about the encounter and there's a sort of reporter who's poking around, but like, you know, nobody wants to talk to him and he's, he's, he's bothering people. So he's, he's just sort of filling up the newspaper with hearsay. Um, but this news that's sort of getting out has attracted some uh, of the Scoutmaster's old army buddies. Well, one in particular drops by his house to be like, hey, I saw you in the paper. Pretty cool. You saw a UFO. Yeah. And it was weird because uh, what did you think of this scene? Did you think we as a viewer were supposed to think this guy was trying to get something out of him or was it just like he actually was interested i wasn't sure what what we were what we were supposed to get out of that yeah i don't know either i think it's not that it's nebulous i think we're supposed to like think he's a bit of a scumbag partly because when he walk he walks in he's just like hey pretty cool you saw ufo eh hey remember when we were nom together and they put you in the loony bin yeah yeah that's right. And this, and to be fair, um, uh, not very nice comment aside, um, this does become the the thing that we find out why he doesn't want to talk to the authorities is because, as he calls it um, at the time, they're calling it battle fatigue. And on, on a side note, I do like how that term has just keeps changing. I think it used to be in like World War One, it was shell shock, right? Shell shock, then it was something else, then battle fatigue. Now it's just post-traumatic stress, obviously. Um, yeah, they didn't want to but, deal with that shit. <laughs> Yeah, so he has he basically has PTSD from being in Vietnam. I mean, fair. And so he's worried because he spent some time in a facility that people will think, as he says, they'll think he's crazy because of his past. And because of that, um, he'll lose his job working with kids because parents won't trust him and his uh, instability. Which, again, I was like, okay, this actually makes sense as opposed to shyness. Yeah, no, it sort of makes sense. And he sort of tells his army buddy this. He's just like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm worried of losing my job over this time I spent in this psych ward. And his buddy's like, all right, then well, I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, and he just leaves. I know it was really weird. It was like it's the reason for the scene is to get this bit of information across because they don't know any other way for him to have explained it. Like why he would have he never would have said he had battle fatigue um, to the guys from Project Blue Books. So they're like, well, we need a scene. Like, I don't know, his old friend shows up. His old friend shows up, he tells him, and then he leaves. We're like, okay, sure, it works. At any rate, we cut to Project Blue Book. They, they keep checking in at the sheriff's or at the police station because they're waiting for the inconclusive reports to come back in. And when they get there, the police chief's like, hey, I got this lady in my office, old uh, Ella Primrose, and uh, she's got some info on that UFO. Um, and what they kind of find out is that lately her husband's been talking in his sleep and describing kind of this UFO in his sleep, um, including some details that haven't been released to the public. So they, they take a special trip out to meet her husband and kind of have a little chat with him. And he's pretty not forthcoming about it. He doesn't want he's like he's like, ah, it's just a dream, a weird dream I had. And they keep pressing him. and He kind of describes he's like, yeah, I don't know. I heard an owl and like I saw an oak tree in the dream and, a you know, just a rock that looked like a bear. Normal dream stuff. Yeah. Well, well, and it also is. um it's sort of undercut. Like I think the guys from project blue book aren't sure because she seems to be leading him on. Like he's, he doesn't seem to want to talk about it very much. And the wife keeps interjecting going, you also saw this, you also saw this. And he's like, uh, yeah, I guess I did. So it seems like she's almost trying to convince him of what he saw. So they're not sure if this is legitimate or not. Yeah. It's hard to say the scene plays out weird. Cause even as project blue book leaves, cause he like kind of tells him to leave. He's got some fishing to do as they walk out. They're like, that was a weird encounter, right? It's like, yeah, either he's the wor- county's best dreamer or the county's worst liar. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, is that what we got out of that? Yeah. Well, and then they go back to these sites and they wander around the woods until they hear an owl hooting and they follow the owl I to the that. bare rock and the oak tree. And they're like, hmm, this is exactly what's in his dream. And they look on the ground and they find a fishing lure and they're like, got him. Yeah, I do like that. They're like, it's just like, well, he said there was an owl and the owl would be sitting by this bare rock. And I'm like, they're like, yep. I'm like, well, it's it's very coincidental that, that uh, the owl is there. Sure, I'll allow it. <laughs> Having found this lure... They go back to the police station once more to see if their inconclusive test results have come in. And when they get there, uh, the reporter who's been kind of trying to write a story is there talking to the police chief. And he's like, hey, I've got some new facts about that scoutmaster. I found out he was in a psych ward. Yeah. And so the, uh, the, the news guy, the reporter, is portrayed as like in a very negative light. Like he's sort of like almost more of a like what we call not not paparazzi, but he's writing like he's not writing. He's not a. He's not looking for a truth. He's looking for a scandalous story is what he's He just needs for. to fill so, those pages, Jordan. Whatever he's got, he's going to fill it with. Yeah. So he basically wants to um, 
besmirch this guy, as it were, um, to get his to get his story uh, filled out and to get it published. And uh, and and basically, the guy from Project Blue Book's like, look, I don't don't do me a favor. Don't publish it right away. Give me a day. We've seen them do this before. This is their classic strategy. Give me a day, and I'll have something huge, something huge that's gonna like change your mind. Here's the thing. I thought the same thing as you did. I was like, oh, give me a day. And what he actually says, I realized, is uh, Captain Ryan says, give me till 10 a.m. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, 10 a.m. the next day. I actually think he means two hours because he leaves and comes back oh, really? within an hour span of time. I think he was like, reporter, give me 45 minutes to change your mind. Oh, I thought it was next day. You might be right. I mean, to be fair, because when they come back, they're still there in the office. So it makes sense. It was very funny to me because I also was like, oh, this will be the next day. I'm like, I think that was like 30 minutes of real time. <laughs> He's like, it'll be two hours. But when you take out all the traffic, I'm, I only need a few minutes. Because, yeah, they head back to the husband's house who was lying to them of the dream. And they basically confront him with the lure and are like, hey, listen, we figured it out. You know you're a liar. And he, he comes clean, sort of. He, like, explains he was there. He saw the UFO. He saw everything that uh, that the other guy saw. The only difference, I think, in the story is he sees the explosion, but then the UFO also flies. I think the explosion is supposed to be, like, the UFO taking off because he sees it fly away from the explosion. Yeah, yeah. But he's not going to ever commit that to paper because he's, in fact— a man who tends an illegal whiskey still in the forest and the sheriff's been after him for years. Yeah. Uh, I, this seemed antiquated even for the, the time, but he's basically like a bootlegger. And so he doesn't want to get caught because he's been warned. So he can't possibly uh, bring out his information. Cause then they'll say, why were you in the forest? I love that though. You'd be like, I was out for a walk done. No, the sheriff's been onto him. They've almost got him a few yeah. times. He can't. So risk anyways, it. He's he's basically like no I won't he won't relent he's like I'm not helping you guys and so they're like all right so they go back to the office of the uh, the police chief who the reporter's still there so I think you're right I think it's only been a matter of minutes or hours and 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 the they're the reporter's basically like so what was this great information you had and then uh, and they're like well didn't pan out but guess what Luke just as that moment just when it seems like all hope is lost. Out comes the old bootlegger. He shows up. Can you believe it, Jordan? I can't believe it. What a twist. I know. So he comes and he's basically like, hey, I know three minutes ago I said I would never say anything, but I've had a change of heart. And he basically says, I saw it all as well. And blah, blah, blah. And then the reporter's like, yeah, big deal. So the guy saw it as well. And they're like, oh, wait, he has information that no one had proving that regardless if this is inconclusive or not, he definitely wasn't lying. So thus, you shouldn't uh, besmirch the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's like, now you won't publish the psych war stuff? He's like, absolutely. This story is so good. So you guys yeah. will confirm this is a true unknown, right? And they're like, absolutely, true unknown. Yeah, and that's that's what I like about it. It's like, it doesn't prove anything. So I don't know why that strengthened the story. So like two people saw the same thing. I guess that's that's the strength. Strength of numbers, I suppose. I guess so. It is my favorite part. Is the reporter's like, so you guys are willing to say this is authentic? And they're like, absolutely. We're willing to say this is a true unknown. I'm like, that's not the same thing. Yeah. And then and then basically the little button to the episode is they drive out and you see in the background well, the stills blowing up. Well, you missed the part, the, the real turn, Jordan. What's is that? Is that the police chief is so touched that the bootlegger would risk himself to help the, uh, help right. the scoutmaster. He's like... I'm going to get you for those stills, but I'm going to give you an hour's head start. And if I can't find no evidence of no stills, you might just get away with it. And that's right. We see Project Blue Book driving away. And in the tree line, there's just explosions of stills being blown up. Yeah. And that's it. That's the episode, which I will, uh, before we can get to our rating, I think a better episode than the last one. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you want to you wanna get into it or do you have any last notes on it? No, I think I think we, we know what this show is. I mean, let's do episode uh, 206. Citing 4019, Believe It or Not Incident. Yeah, is that what it was called? Yeah, sure. Believe It or Not Incident. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was about now that we finished talking about it. Well, that's the thing. This is, I would argue, so far, our worst episode. Now, I don't know if this is indicative of the changes they've made because I really do. All the changes there are is they've replaced one actor with a different actor. Didn't really do much. I think you're right. I think they've tried to do some sort of like characterization of them at the beginning of the episode. It doesn't really work. I don't think it adds anything and they've um i don't know changed the theme song a little bit in the opening but i think this was a weak weak episode i'm gonna give it a three out of ten except 
I will give it one extra point to add it up to four for how stupid it was that that parrot made that noise at the end. That gets one point because of how well, dumb I'm it was. Well, I'm in a similar position, I think. I think the UFO work, per usual, is great. I think the sound design we talked about was great. Yeah. Episode itself, like we said, they repeat the UFO encounter it's ad nauseum, full length. It's insane. It takes yeah. up most of the episode. Yeah, it's really, it's really quite bad. But the last five minutes are very funny. I like when the man who lives in the house, Mr. Beans, his way through the house, running away from the alien. Just <laughs> He just, like, runs and just runs smashing. It's like the character is like, you have to run from that side to that side of the house and then back again and smash everything you see. And he's like, okay. I also love that they have that connection to Mrs. Columbo. Yeah, there's a good connection. <laughs> there's another point right there for sure. Um, yeah. And the, obviously the parrot, very funny. So I'm, gonna, I'm only going to give it a three, though. I'm going to go three. All right, so you got three. So we're, we were close. I, I give it that extra point, but I think we, we both felt the same way about the episode. Now, I think the Scoutmaster incident is is a better episode. I'm going to say marginally better. It has a lot of the same problems. It doesn't have the same incredible waste of time. And I did, again, I think the characterization of this guy, the Scoutmaster, I thought was pretty good. I thought it was actually weirdly handled more sensitively than you would think for a show from this time period for someone who's having post-traumatic stress. But still... I think it's we're we're too late in the game to be just thrown in like okay episodes, so I'm only giving it a five out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. I here's how I feel about it, and I think the strength of it is this sort of like almost going to this PTSD storyline to kind of like work through it. And you've said you know repeatedly this episode, there's no characterization to our Project Blue Book guys, yeah. and I think the thing that would have pushed this over and made it a more interesting character-driven episode is that there was an opportunity for one of the characters, one of the Army characters, the Air Force characters from Project Blue Book, to have had some experience with PTSD, mm. to have had something something to relate to. So there, so it would have given it some depth to the storytelling, I think. Like, You're absolutely It was right. the one time I've watched one of these episodes where I was like, oh, you guys, the writer tiptoed to the edge of what was could have been an affecting storyline around this. They just they did never like Project UFO. I guess is it never fully solidifies and lands on anything other than it's all inconclusive. And once again, it's just another inconclusive episode. But I think I agree. I'm going to give it a five. I think it was like the it was as close as they've come since that episode with the like guy, his wife, and his father father in law. Yeah. Like at least that had some character driven moments, and this was similar. But I'm also going to give it a five. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that connection would have made it a stronger episode. But at this point, this is episode what? This is episode 11 of the second season. Like, the, here we can say it. This, show's, it, it. this show is what it is, right? Like, even the t- very minor changes they've made from season one to season two haven't dramatically done anything, haven't made this show a better show. It's made it a slightly adjusted show, but it's not a different show. It's not more entertaining, which I think is its biggest problem. Yeah, I mean, the beats are all the same. They go, they discover evidence, you get some great UFO footage, yeah. some great miniature work, a whole bunch of them wandering around only to come back to you 40 minutes later and say, everything's inconclusive. And, and then they walk away and say, true unknown. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. That's true. That's basically what it is. I don't know if there's been an episode that wasn't a true unknown at this point. Well, you know what? And the last thing I'll kind of say is, it's almost as if the show, every episode is just like an outline for a show as opposed to a script right like they don't take as you said they don't take anything far enough and like the characters or the storylines or the cases just don't go far enough to go okay why why is this an episode like it's like they just took basic and said oh yeah there was a thing where a guy said the alien kind of shot fire on him anyways that's all that happened it's like well no okay that's a starting point for an episode but like anything from there nope you know yeah i know fair enough but jordan it's a listener's want. They can make us go back and watch all these episodes we're skipping through season two. That's true. Via bonus episodes for charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out more on the website, uh, continuedrag.podbean.com, or on the Instagram and Twitter. There's links to it on our bios. You can click through there. But essentially, this year, you've heard this already, but you're going to hear it again. If you make a little donation to charity, we've got a list of charities on the website. We'll watch an episode of your choosing. It doesn't have to be Project UFO. It can be another show where we've skipped episodes like, um, what do we got back there in the in the back catalog? Oh, um, Auto Man. You always think Auto Man. I don't know why. We watched all of that. We watched all of Auto Man. I can't think of something. Oh, uh, 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 um, Battles. What about the Misfits of Science? Gal- Misfits of Science. Galactic 1980. We watched all of that. I think we watched all of that. I believe we also watched all of that. I can only pick shows we've watched all of. Oh, um, uh, Freaky Links. At any rate, on the website, too, I've got a list of all the ones we've skipped, so it'll be real easy for you to figure out. Instead of listening to me, instead of listening to me, try to guess. Jordan, guess what we didn't watch. (laughs)
Um, and of course, you can email us continuandreg at gmail.com. Uh, maybe you need more instructions on what on earth we're talking about with this bonus episode of charity, or maybe you want to talk about Project UFO, or maybe you've seen a UFO mm. and Jordan needs to hear about it. Mm-hmm. I-, I bet you you tell me about seeing UFO is more interesting than watching this show. I bet you uh, it's inconclusive. Jordan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It will be inconclusive. That's correct. And of course, on Instagram, Twitter, and now Facebook, oh yeah, you'll see clips from these episodes. Lots of UFO miniatures for sure. When are we getting on TikTok, Luke? The kids love I tried TikTok. and they kicked me off. Oh, they, they banned my account. <laughs> oh, there you go. That answers that. <laughs> I made the attempt. Did not pan out. All right. Thanks a lot, TikTok. Um, but that about wraps up for this week. So, uh, listener, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.